You're listening to The Hungry Soul with Rachel Foy, covering all topics from spirituality, mindset work, beliefs, relationships, food, body image, business, money, self-expression, and more, helping you become a soul-fed woman. Hey gorgeous and welcome to episode 37 of the Hungry Soul podcast with moi, Rachel Foy. So maybe right now you are in a position where you feel like you have got so many things to do, you've got a huge to-do list, you're constantly pushing yourself, making yourself do more, try harder, be better. How's that working out for you? And the reason why I'm asking is because today's guest is someone who knows all too well about all this, it's Lisa Carpenter. Now, Lisa is a transformational life coach and she understands that it's not about the systems, it's not about the doing, the food, the exercise, the degrees, the achievements, or the lack of trying, which holds so many women back from actually feeling fulfilled and successful, whether that be in their life, their business, or in their body. It's actually their lack of connection to how they're feeling on the inside. So I invited Lisa on the show. We had a really wonderful conversation and I know that I often say this about my guests. I'm so lucky to have these wonderful people that just want to talk about their passion but I got so much out of this conversation myself and I really can't wait to share this with you. So without further ado, here's the gorgeous Lisa Carpenter talking all about things to do with listening to ourselves and it's not about the doing, it's actually about the being and just allowing life to take us on that beautiful journey as it unfolds without us trying to control too much. Enjoy. So here she is, Lisa Carpenter. Good morning, afternoon, evening. How are you doing? It's kind of afternoon here, not as late for you. I'm, I'm really good. I'm really good. It's been a great day. Fantastic. I let her in, uh, I let Lisa into a secret before we hit record. I've got my pajamas on right now because it's almost bedtime here in the UK. But hey, who cares? We're having a conversation. It's about the words we speak, not about what we're wearing. Absolutely. So on that note, for anybody that's watching or listening right now that maybe doesn't yet know who you are and what you do, do you want to give us a quick introduction into your work and what you're all about? <laughs> My work, my ever-evolving work. So my work started out predominantly helping women make peace with food in their bodies. And as my work has continued to evolve, what, you know, the umbrella of what all my work is about is about helping women really understand the numbing behaviors that they're using in their lives, whether it's things like food or alcohol or exercise or shopping, or whether it's behaviors like controlling, people-pleasing, uh, micromanaging everybody. Um, yeah, those type of things. So I really help women connect into who they actually are, feel their feelings, which nobody wants to do. I'm like, please don't put that in my copy. Nobody signs up. Yes, please. I want to feel my feelings. Uh, but that's in essence, what I help people do is, is make it safe for them to feel their feelings and, and actually even tap into that because that's where we are our most powerful when we can acknowledge what we're feeling instead of trying to not feel it and just mm -hmm. go about, you know, our lives, you know, with the, all these other things happening. No, absolutely. So kind of that, um, that aspect of your walk, work about feeling all the feelings, that is something that I probably expect most of the viewers or people listening can resonate with as in, oh, I don't want to go there. I'm not going to feel all the feels, <laughs> as did I many years ago. Same so, here. yeah, absolutely. So 
so for you and we're going to kind of come to your journey in a second mm -hmm. but has that been something that you have had to embrace yourself yeah I, you know it was funny because one of my one of my trainers i used to be a, a personal trainer back in the day and you know after i had kind of gone through my personal transformation she was joking with me because she's like do you remember when like you were like not a hugger and you were like no sorry i don't do hugs and i was like Oh yeah. Now I'm a total hugger. Like if I meet you in person, I'm going to be the first person to kind of get into your personal space and give you a hug. But I really wasn't, I was a doer. I was driven and ambitious. And I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with those things because there isn't, but I was so focused on the, the doing and the pushing through and the real, like, um, you know, what can I achieve and what can I accomplish? Although I never actually allowed myself to achieve or accomplish anything. So let's yeah. be really clear on that. Yeah. Um, I wasn't a beer. I wasn't a feeler. And those were just things that I was using to avoid all the chaos that was going on in my life that I didn't want to acknowledge. Uh, the disconnect that I had with myself. I didn't realize I was struggling with feelings of low self-worth. Like that was not on my radar. I thought I was an amazing rock star. Um, but you know, now that I've peeled back the layers and I can look back on my journey, I can see all the things, all the things that I did all the time that really kept me disconnected from myself and from other people. So it sounds like you've been on a massive journey of self-discovery as well. You're kind of, and I'm guessing it's never actually going to finish. It's just going to keep evolving and changing and expanding into different kind of areas for you. Yes. I mean, the initial kind of transformation the the journey that i had to go on was not you know none of us sign up for it and i don't believe we can change until we're really ready to change and for some people it takes you know the universe grabbing you by the shoulders and shaking you hard and that's what happened in my case i did not sign up for it uh, i had a six month old baby and i found out that my husband was an addict an active addict and uh, my whole world was pulled out from underneath me. So I had two preteen boys and then my six month old baby and off he went to rehab. And I really came face to face with my own stuff, my own oh. stuff. I had to look at the role that I was playing in his addiction. So I wasn't responsible for his addiction, mm -hmm. but when we are in a relationship with somebody who is an addict, whether they're a mother or a father or a husband or our brother, it doesn't matter we're having a relationship with them and our behaviors and the behaviors of an addict are so intertwined. Even if he had gotten sober, which he did get sober, he's been in recovery for over five and a half years. Had I not worked on myself, we wouldn't have had a relationship. We wouldn't have the relationship we have today, but it was very hard for me. You know, I remember the counselor saying to me, you know, relationships don't last with people who are going into recovery. And at that time I was this like, really? I'll show you, right? Like that was kind of my, yeah. my uh, badass attitude. I'll show you. Cause that's how I kind of moved through my entire life, right? Tell me I can't do something. I'm going to prove to you that I can. <laughs> uh, so that's how I went into it, which was great. That propelled me forward. And then I very quickly realized that that attitude was actually part of the problem. Um, and that's really when the stripping down happened for me because I couldn't run from this. I couldn't control it. So my control freak was like losing her mind. Um, I couldn't control it. I couldn't make it go away. I couldn't stuff it down. I couldn't ignore the sadness. I couldn't ignore the anger. I couldn't ignore the grief. I had to learn to be with all of that. And I had to get really honest with myself about the behaviors that were in my life that I was just as addicted to 
right? Because we get addicted to our behaviors. So I was addicted to control. I was addicted to my perfectionism. I was addicted to my people pleasing and my caretaking. And it, it was so intertwined in my business. So, you know, I've joked with my husband, I've joked with many of my clients. It was easier for my husband to go into recovery and find sobriety than it was for me to give up my addictions to my behaviors because they were like breathing, right? Like yeah. it's easy to stop drinking or using drugs. It's not as easy to stop caretaking and people pleasing and trying to control everything. Yeah. Right. So it was, yeah. it was incredibly uncomfortable for me, that stripping down period. So that was, you know, a year, over a year and a half of my life um, where I was really, really in it deep, deep, deep. And of course, you know, prior to any of that even happening, I'd been a coach for years. I'd been a nutrition coach. I'd built out an entire program to help women learn how to kind of put together all the pieces of the nutrition so they could lose weight. This all happened and I stood back and went, oh my gosh, like I built a recovery plan for people who are really struggling with their relationship with food. And then I was able to add the layer to it around the emotional piece and why addiction drives our behavior with food and what food actually represents and what food is covering up in ourselves that we don't need to look at or that we don't want to look at. So my work just got deeper and deeper and deeper. Mm. And you know, now a lot of the women that I work with are very similar to me, driven, ambitious, like we, we want to change the world. And we think we're going to do that by doing more and pushing through it. And I had to learn how to soften. I had to learn how to embrace my feminine. I had to, like I said, I had to strip down my behavior. So now I help women, you know, again, still with food in their bodies. That's still part of my business. And I also help my overachievers and driven women kind of soften their edges, learn how to be with themselves more, learn how to navigate their emotions and, um, you know, grow their businesses. And I say businesses, but it's not just business. It's business, life, relationships, yeah. right? How to be a better leader, a yeah. mom, and just like a human being on the planet in relation to themselves and others. Um, yeah, so that's kind of where my work has evolved to. It's all that personal experience as well, isn't it? Like sometimes the, what's the lesson, the biggest, deepest, darkest moments of our lives can be the biggest transformation if we choose to see it that way. Yeah. Um, I'm curious. So right now we are on the Hungry Soul podcast and actually these guests that I'm having on, yourself included, I'm kind of wanting to explore their, their kind of stories and their beliefs around being soul fed and what it means to be a soul fed woman. And I really want to ask you, mm. because you work with women, um, you work to empower them, to help them become more connected, more embodied, feel all the feels. Mm -hmm. So what's your definition for you? Like, what is it, what does it mean to be a soul fed woman? To be a soul fed woman. Um, to be fully present in my life, and I know that sounds a little like woo-woo, like what the heck does that even mean, Lisa? But it means that like I'm fully engaged in my life. So it's how I show up. It's who I'm being. It's who I want to become. It's, it's how I navigate my emotions day in and day out. It's about releasing judgment. It's about taking care of myself. And that's not about going to get more pedicures. It's about genuinely saying, what do I need to do for me on a daily basis? And being selfish about that because being selfish isn't selfish. It's selfless. Like I show up as a better mom. So being soul fed is really stepping into releasing all the stories, what I call, you know, and what I've, um, you know, my branding that's coming out is all about full frontal living. It's no longer having anything 
in the way of me and my life and me being fully present in it. So that, that is what soul fueled is. So, you know, a great example, a couple of weeks ago, my youngest son, my six-year-old was away with his grandparents at the, at the cottage. And I had just had a week at the cottage with all of my kids and I came back and I took the next week off while he was away. My older kids are doing their own thing. Um, my husband was working first time I'd ever in my business, given myself an entire week off to do whatever I wanted. And you know, some of it, like I'd get up and I'd write in the morning or do whatever. It was totally open. I could have lunch with a friend for three hours if I wanted that filled my soul, the being in my life, not the doing. Um, to me, that's what it's about is it's really, really stepping into doing what we need to do to take care of ourselves, even if it seems counterintuitive to the things that we maybe want to achieve, whether oh, okay. it's weight loss, like whether it's weight loss, whether it's growing your business, doing more won't get you there ever. It's not about the doing, it's about the being. It's about who you need to become to achieve the things you want. So in my case, for this staycation, a successful, a very successful entrepreneur wouldn't be like, oh, my kids are away. I think I'm going to work, put my head down and work more while they're gone. They would embrace the fact that that is time given to them. And what, if it, what would it look like to work in my business a little bit, but really honor that time for me? Mm. That's what someone who has true success would be doing, not more doing. So that's, and these are still things that I'm working on for myself and still expanding into. It feels really good. So. And, do, and doing it unapologetically. Like I can sense this. Yeah. You said about being selfish, but it's like, no, this is what I need. I am craving this. My soul's hungry for this time on my own to just be, I love that. Yeah. I love that. Why, why do you think that women and I don't want to kind of say this generally for every woman but you work with women as do I why do you think women can have such a hard time to create space for themselves you know I think this is something that men struggle with as well because I, I work with men and women in my coaching practice we struggle with it because of the beliefs that we grew up with so it's hardwired into our brain, this kind of struggle, put ourselves last, right? Like if we go back into centuries, right? It's just, it's hardwired into our belief system and it's been passed down and passed down and passed down. And it's our responsibility to really look at what beliefs am I holding on to that actually aren't serving me living and feeling the way I want to feel. So there, the vast majority of women out there are walking around not feeling like their soul is full. They're just going through the motions of life and they don't believe that anything else is possible because this is just the way it is, right? Like I'm not yeah. sure you've heard that, right? Well, this is yeah. just the way it is. This is just yeah. my life. I can't change anything. But the truth is we have so much power to change our beliefs when we have the courage to get still and actually get curious about what do I believe? What do I believe about what's possible for my day or my relationships or with my kids or with myself? What do I believe about women who would take a week off to do whatever they wanted when their kids were away? Like if that's triggering something in you, like, oh my God, I could never do that. I could never do that. Or I could, I could never take that time for myself. Having the courage to get curious about what you believe about that what you believe to be true about me because we can't give ourselves what we condemn in others ever. So true. Oh my goodness. That's so true. Yes. Yeah. So that, you know, it's, if you want your, if you want your soul to be full, you have to have the courage to dig deeper and look at 
why you're not giving yourself permission to do that. And I think permission is such a big part of this, isn't it? Because I know like with some of your journey up till now and well, quite similar to mine in some ways, I know when I've always struggled and had like a hungry soul, so to speak, it's because there's been no permission around anything. I've just been doing, I've had to, the shoulds, the need tos, the to-do list, the tick, tick, tick. Um, and it's exhausting. It just drains us, our, our life force, doesn't it? It does. And that's the thing. Our soul isn't here to do more. Our soul isn't here to do more. We're here to embrace and live in our lives. So if you're spending all your time doing for other people or being behind the screen or working or being busy or constantly, you know, filling your body with food or drinking or you're spending too much money and you're shopping, all of these things are actually disconnecting you from what your soul really wants. But the hard work is in being present and listening to the sadness right? Like that's what we're trying to avoid. When our souls are empty, it's sad and it's dark and it's a little scary in there. Mm. And our brains are hardwired to, to keep us away from discomfort. Mm. So it is very hard for us to stay present with our own sadness. But when we're willing to do that, when we're willing to really look at what's going on for us, that's when we start to change those beliefs. That's when we start to change those subconscious patterns. And that's when we create comfort from our discomfort. Absolutely. Yeah. And that kind of making all those unfamiliar things start to feel more familiar so that we can keep going and keep moving through them. 100%. What's, um, what's your kind of take on and your beliefs around, um, kind of self-trust and intuition because I know when I've been working with some of my clients and actually working on my own stuff these little like internal voices whether it be soul higher consciousness divine guidance whatever how do we kind of lean into that and actually just trust that it's the right thing to do I used to override my intuition all the time snap (laughs) all the time. I didn't even know what the hell intuition was. And now it's the guiding force in my life. And sometimes my intuition is saying no. And my brain is like, are you sure? (laughs) Like I've, I've just had a, a, uh, something happened in my business recently where my brain was like, yeah, yeah, let's do this. Right. The left side of my brain was like, yeah, let's do this. The thinking side of my brain. And my intuition was like, there's something just not right. Mm. And in the past, I would have overridden that. And this time I'm staying with my intuition and it's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable, right? Because I'm no longer defaulting to that side of my brain, but it's not necessarily um, an automatic behavior for me to say, no, this doesn't make sense, but I'm going to go with my intuition, right? So I'm Mm -hmm. still kind of hardwiring that in. Um, So intuition takes practice. So when I was stripping down all these behaviors, I had to learn how to listen to myself again. So I can look back now and see all the signs of what was going on with my husband, all of them. But the universe didn't wake me up until it believed I was ready to wake up. I went through a period of so much anger that here I was this smart woman. And why didn't I know better? Why didn't I know better? And then as I stripped down these behaviors and had to look at like beyond him, because like that was the easy part. There was this whole other mess in my life from my relationship with my business partner, my money, all of that. I had to look at all of that now and then say, okay, you know what? I didn't know what I didn't know. And I had to do a lot of forgiveness around that. So when you're coming back to how do you lean into intuition and how do you lean into trusting yourself? It starts with 
allowing yourself to dip your toe in it mm -hmm. and release judgment. Like you can't get it right and you can't get it wrong. So there are still some times where I override my intuition. I'm like, oh, right, <laughs> do better. There yeah. are still some time, there are still things in my life that I'm learning to trust myself with. So trust for me is about integrity. So integrity is one of the guiding um, values in my life and in my business. Integrity. When I say that I'm going to do something for me, and I don't follow through with it, I'm not in integrity with myself. So it doesn't matter how much I'm in integrity with my word with everybody else. Every time I break my trust with myself, I erode my self-worth. That's, that's powerful, right? Yeah. So every time you tell yourself you're going to do something and you don't do it, it has a profound impact. So regardless of where we're trying to make changes in our lives, we have to be committed to those changes that we're making and we have to stay in, in integrity with ourselves, even if it's uncomfortable. So if I say that I'm going to get up and I'm going to go to the gym at 5.30 in the morning, which is one thing to do in the summer when the sun's up, it's a beautiful <laughs> sunrise, and I'm like, this is great. It's quite another when it's dark yeah. and it's cold and my bed is warm for me to get up. But every time I don't do it, it impacts me on a deeper level. When we don't trust ourselves, like I said, we're eroding that relationship we have with ourselves. So for anybody who's listening who has kids, if you said to your kids you were going to do something every day and then you didn't follow through, you would have some pretty gnarly children. Like they wouldn't trust you as their mom. It's a pretty powerful relationship. When we start to look at self-trust as a non-negotiable in our life, something that we have to continue to work on, and it's not about being perfect. Like, yeah. trust me, there's lots of times I'm out of integrity with myself, but it's being aware and correcting more quickly because it's no longer okay for me to say I'm going to do something and then not do it. So if I say I'm going to work less and I'm going to shut the computer off at two o'clock and I'm going to enjoy my afternoon and I'm just going to be in my life, then I need to close the computer, not five more minutes, two more minutes. I just have to jump on now. Um, I have to follow through on that. So it just takes practice. It really does take practice um, and making that commitment to yourself that, that, you know, integrity is important to you. Trusting yourself is important, important to you. And the more you trust yourself, the more your intuition will start to blossom. I think they go hand in hand. Yeah, no, definitely. And I can tell from how you talk about this now, like there's so much passion and like belief behind this because you've obviously experienced it and you are experiencing it. So what, what have you actually learned for yourself? Like what's been the importance for you of actually listening to your intuition of allowing that inner voice to guide you? Like, why, why has this become so important to you? When everything happened with my husband and I really lost trust in myself, right? I doubted, um, I doubted myself as a coach, as a mom, as a wife. Like I doubted everything. I lost trust in myself. So I couldn't stay in that place. Like I really had no choice but saying, well, how do I learn to trust myself again? How do I learn to listen to my intuition? How do I do that? And it really started in the beginning. And this is something I work with my clients on was learning how to stop being so self-reliant. 
start reaching out, asking for help, having the conversations, being vulnerable, right? So often we don't talk to people about stuff because we don't want to see, we don't want them to see that we're struggling. And quite often we don't want to admit to ourselves that we're struggling, right? Um, So I started reaching out and asking for help in places I didn't trust myself. So for instance, with my business partner, I'd been caretaking her for years and paying bills and, you know, it was a long story. I knew that that had to change and I knew that I had to give her back a whole bunch of responsibilities, but it felt horrible for me. I felt like I was being a horrible person by doing it. And I had to reach out and I had to talk to the people that I had supporting me to say like, you can trust yourself to have this conversation. You can trust yourself that you're going to deliver this not because you're being a mean, spiteful, horrible person or you're resentful of her, but coming from a place of love and you really taking back ownership and being empowered about how you're showing up in this relationship. So it was times like that where I would reach out and talk to people and I slowly learned, you know what? I don't think I need feedback on this. I think that I got this. So I still check in, like there are still times, right? So I, you know, I had an experience in business where I had to write a letter to somebody and I, things had not gone well. And I wrote this letter and I sent it to my girlfriend who's also a coach. And she's like, you're not ready yet. (laughs) And I was like, all right. So I went, you know, and sat on it again, revised it. And I'm like, okay, I think we're good now. Send it to her. She's like, you're not ready yet. Because she was right. There was still emotional stuff that was there and it was coming from a place of like anger and resentment and she could see that. So by giving myself permission to slow down and tune in and ask somebody else, can you like put your eyeballs on my heart and in my head, listen to the words I'm saying, what are my blind spots that I'm not seeing? Help me see what you see. Yeah. That's how I've been able to get back to this place of really sinking in and trusting myself and knowing my intuition. Um, the other thing is in my coaching and in any conversations I have like this, I don't know where half the stuff comes from that comes out of my mouth. I don't know, like, and clients will tell you this, that they'll be like, how did you like, where did you come up with that? And it's the thing that they needed to hear. Yeah. So as much as I wanted to poop, like, what's this intuition thing? I had to actually acknowledge that my intuition is one of my greatest gifts as a coach and as a human being. And it's my responsibility to treat it like a gift. So I have to stop like, oh, it's not a big deal. It is a big deal. Not everybody is as intuitive as I am. And that's cool. So we have to look at the pieces of ourselves and really honor our gifts. And then they show up for us even more, right? But if we're like poo-pooing on it, why would it show up more? Absolutely. Kind of embracing ourselves as a whole, all those bits that we don't like, we don't want, and we're pushing into the shadows, just kind of embracing them as fully as we can. Yes. What, um, what do you feed yourself nowadays in terms of on a soul level? So you've kind of spoken a lot about taking time out, being unapologetic. I'm guessing like self-care is a big part of your life, Mm, but how do you feed your soul nowadays? What does she crave? What does she ask of you? does she crave and what does she ask of me? Um, I don't think I really crave anything anymore. Like I don't think I've ever been more satisfied and fulfilled in my life because I choose to show up that way every day. So I'm no longer chasing success because it's already here because I choose for it to be here. I stopped measuring I stopped measuring things in different ways, right? I Mm -hmm. stopped measuring, well, what is success? Like success will be available to me when it's this. So 
my soul isn't really craving for anything because I really feel like when I look around at my life, when I look around at my business, when I look around at the relationships I have, it's very full. And I have, like I said, I have no problem giving myself what I need. So if I woke up this morning and my body felt super tired and run down, I would not force myself out of bed to go to the gym, even if I had said I would, because to stay in integrity with myself and trust myself means that I tune in and listen to what my body needs. So my soul, the only thing my soul needs for me is for me to continue to tune in and listen on a day-to-day basis. Some days, if it's a bad day and an hourly basis, what do I need? For my, what do I need for me in this moment? So um, it's taken me a long time to get here. And it was worth every tear and tantrum to do that. So I'm not saying I've got it all figured out because I don't. Um, but it, I'm also not going to pretend like my soul isn't fueled mm-hmm. when it really is. Because I want people to know that that is possible. So it's not that I don't want more in my life. I do. There's lots of things I want more. I want more travel. I want more time off. I'd love more money in the bank. Like all of those things. But from a soul level, my soul is very fulfilled right where it is right now and I'm open for more I love that so it's kind of would you say it's like your change of perception like you said you've stopped measuring and you stop waiting to get to such a point until you feel such a thing you're kind of choosing to see it as it already is right now yeah I stopped I stopped craving I stopped struggling I stopped suffering and I allowed myself to see that I had everything I wanted already Mm. and that more was always going to be available to me I had to stop feeding the stories of struggle survival like I had to stop feeding that and I had to start feeding the stories that I wanted to have and yeah when I shifted my perspective I was like wow all of this has been in my life all along but because I was focused on this little thing yeah you know I wasn't giving myself what I needed. So this is the thing, you know, and I know you've worked with women and their bodies before, right? It's the belief that, well, when I lose the weight, then I'll feel better about myself. Yeah. And we have to start from a place of what can I do to feel better about myself right now? Yeah. I don't have to like everything, but I can actually appreciate and like who I am right now in this moment knowing Mm -hmm. that everything that I want is still available to me, but no longer holding it at arm's length. We have to start working more in terms of getting what we want. It starts from us working from the inside out, not from the outside in. And this is where people are getting it wrong. And that's why this podcast is powerful, right? It's like when you fill your soul, when you work from that place of feeling like your bucket is full, you'll achieve the things that you want in your life. Yeah. Absolutely. It's kind of not coming from that place of um, not enough, lack, not good enough, need to achieve this until all that. And that's a place that I lived for far too long, as, as I know that you probably did as well. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So be- before I kind of slowly wrap up this, um, this interview, because it's already coming to an end, believe it or not, I want to ask you, from your experience of your personal journey and that of your clients so far, somebody that's listening right now or watching perhaps on video, if they can identify with what you're speaking of, as in, you know, numbing out, they're not quite, you know, not as happy as they want to be. They've got all these behaviors that they're perhaps addicted to. 
what would be your word of advice to someone like that? Like where would they even start with something to, to start changing it? <laughs> well, to start with, don't change everything because that's a recipe for disaster. Yeah. Um, put pen to paper and start to list out all the things that really don't make you feel good in your life that you don't feel good about right? So if you're burnt out or you're tired or you feel like you're giving all the time or you've recognized that you're busy all the time, like just start doing an inventory mm. life, like slow down enough to actually see what's going on because we can't change anything until we become conscious of it. If you're struggling with, you know, the relationship you're having with food or your body, just get still and allow yourself to acknowledge that you're struggling in that relationship. Yeah. Like that's the first thing. And say, you know, what do I need to do for me today that will help me feel better? We don't have to make drastic changes in our life. We don't have to have the, you know, rug pulled out from under our feet to see change. We just have to decide that the status quo is no longer working for us. And we have to get curious about what is it about that status quo that we need to start saying no to. Absolutely. And then we've got to baby step our way along. So it might be like you know, halfway when that yes is out of your mouth, pulling it back in and saying, you know what, I need like 24 hours to think about this. Yeah. And then really sinking into it and saying, okay, if I say yes to this, how's that going to make me feel? If I say no, how is that going to make me feel? Mm. The no may make you feel uncomfortable, yeah. but is it a discomfort because you're doing like you're engaging now in a behavior that you're not used to? Yeah. Right. So sometimes discomfort is the guiding way. When I was kind of deep in my recovery, I used to say, like, if it doesn't feel good, I'm on the right track. Right. So just pick one behavior and, and notice it. You know, for me, perfectionism was a big thing. I'd spend hours working on a font or, you know, before an interview like this, I'd be like brushing my hair for four, you know, hours. <laughs> now I recognize that. Like, it's just perfection. You know, it's perfectionism. What is it masking? My own insecurities. Right. So just, pay attention to the things in your life that aren't serving you. Yeah. Talk to people, reach out, have the conversation and you'll start to see things. Um, you'll start to see things shift. It's fab. Wonderful piece of advice there to just actually write down the things. Cause sometimes, like you said, we don't even really know what they are cause we just feel so ooh, stuck yeah. in it, stuck like in it. So and busy, right. So stop using busy as the excuse to not slow down and pay attention to your life. Because if you aren't worth 10 minutes to sit with a journal and take an inventory of the things you like and that you don't like in your life, or even look at like, what things make me feel good? Because mm. women, right? We get so caught up in the doing, we forget like, what do I even like to do? Like what, <laughs> what, what makes me happy? Oh, my kids make me happy. Okay. You're not allowed to include your kids or your husband. You're the only person on this planet. Money is no option. You could do whatever you wanted. What would make you happy? Is it getting back to playing guitar that you gave up? in your youth, yep. met your husband? Is it going for a walk? Is it having coffee with a friend? Is it curling up for 20 minutes reading a book? Is it having a bath in the middle of the day? It can be whatever you want it to be. Like I went back to ballet class for a while and one of my favorite self-care things is watching like fairy tale style movies like Maleficent or Cinderella because I don't have to think. I get to be that little girl again who had the amazing imagination, who thought she was a mermaid in her grandma's pool. Those things make me feel happy. So that's a self-care thing for me. If I Absolutely. just need to like ground back into myself, I'm just going to be upstairs watching Maleficent for like the 20th time. <laughs> and I believe it's, in fairies, right? Like, exactly. 
nobody's going to come along. Well, maybe you're listening to this and judging me, but it doesn't matter what other people think and feel about me. What matters is, am I giving myself the things that make me feel good about myself? That's allowing me to sink into play and love and life. And life is too serious. We need to like lighten up a little bit. So no, completely agree. Completely agree. And I bet there's so many women listening right now that might even struggle with that question. What lights me up? Like, what do I, what do I enjoy doing? You know, and I want to, I want to say to that, if that does, don't judge yourself. Like, why don't I have the answer to this? Okay. So recognize if judgment shows up or shame or guilt or whatever it is for you. And just Give yourself permission to be curious about the question instead of judgy because judgment and curiosity cannot coexist. So when we allow ourselves to go into this place of curiosity and say, okay, you know what? I don't need to know the answer to this question right now, but I'm going to spend some time like thinking about this. What did I used to like to do? What would be cool? Or what would I like to try that I've maybe never tried before? You don't have to commit to it. Like go take a painting class. You might hate it. You might have a ton of fun. Who knows? But when we allow ourselves to just be curious, that's when we'll find the answers that we're looking for. Fantastic. So we're going to have a load of grown women now starting ballet. They're going to start painting classes, pottery classes, all off the back of this podcast. All all the things. Awesome. (laughs) So before we wrap up, Lisa, a quick final question for you. Mm, Okay. kind of reflect back on your journey so far and you know sometimes hindsight is a powerful thing apparently but if you actually think about some of those times in your past when you knew now that you weren't soul fed your soul was hungry for more or it was hungry for something else if you could go back in that time now would there be any advice that you would give your younger self I would let my younger self know that there was never anything wrong with her and that, uh, you know, one of the things I've had to forgive is that I just didn't know any better. I didn't know. Right. I looked to my right and to my left and thought, I don't fit in. And I just started picking up the behaviors to survive. Like, these behaviors aren't here to haunt us or make us feel bad or make us feel crappy in our lives. They've been here to help save us, to help us navigate this life when we don't have the level of discernment that we do as we grow into adults. So I believe that our job is, you know, as we grow up, we like slap on all these like layers of mud and put on all these coats, right. To fit in. And then we reach a certain age or something happens in our life And this is where it gets fun because this is where it's like, we get to find our way back to ourselves. We get to take off the coats. We get to say, well, what if this doesn't fit anymore? What if I could care less about perfectionism? What if I can show up on a live stream with my hair on top of my head and no makeup? Oh, that's kind of freeing. Uh, What if I don't have to control all the pieces? Like we, we get to just be curious and start to take off these layers. And, you know, we basically, we care less, right? We start to care less because we stop looking at everything outside of us to make us feel good. Mm. And we start saying like, you know what? I'm tired of feeling hollow on the inside. So I don't care if you don't like that I'm taking this coat off. I have to feed myself first. Absolutely. I can't live this way anymore. So that's what I would tell her is that there was never anything wrong with her. She wasn't broken. I wish she'd known like how amazing she was when she was young. I wish she saw her gifts then. And I don't have any regrets for the journey that I walked or 
I, I don't have regrets for any of it. I'm not, you know, I listened to something the other day that said, you know, if you're going to be pissed off at your parents for the, you know, the crap that we all cut, like we all just give our kids stuff, right? Unknowingly, yeah. um, that we pick up innocently. If we're going to, if we're going to condemn our parents for the bad stuff in our lives that we've had to work through, we also have to celebrate them for giving us the good. So I don't blame anybody in my life. I take full responsibility for everything. Like, you know, draw that circle around the outside of your feet. Everything on the inside of that circle is my responsibility. So I wouldn't change a single thing. I wouldn't change a single thing. Even the worst moments of all, I would not change a single thing because they ended up being my biggest gifts and my biggest blessings. So it's, it's when we forgive our past, when we truly let that go, it no longer has any hold or has any impact on what we create for ourselves in the future. Our past is not a predictor of what our future holds for us, yeah. unless we choose to continue to drag it along. But when you really forgive yourself for everything that you didn't know any different, because you couldn't have, otherwise you would have, yeah. that's when you really find freedom. And that's when you can really just yeah, forgive that younger self and love the self that's here today and be yeah. excited for the self that's going to show up in two years. Cause I'm sure like, I'm sure I'll continue to grow and evolve. Cause that's just the type of person I am. Yeah. Um, yeah. Life gets easier. Fantastic. And just like you said, kind of embracing everything and not carrying all that baggage with us. Cause that's, that's often the problem, isn't it? We just keep hold of all this crap that we don't really need. It's just yeah. there. Yeah, exactly. ah, so where can we find you on the World Wide Web? Can you direct oh us where, where, where you're located? Well, I have a new website coming out, hopefully, by middle of September. So we'll see. I'm very, like, loosey-goosey around launch dates because that's how I roll because I don't control anything anymore. Yep. <laughs> uh, so hopefully mid-September, but lisacarpenter.ca is where you can find me. Of course, you can find me on Facebook, uh, Lisa Carpenter Inc. Incorporated. You're good. Remembering all your URLs. I can never remember them. For anybody that's actually watching this video now on YouTube or on my website, all of Lisa's links are below this video. And if you're listening on iTunes, you can head over to those links that Lisa just mentioned. Perfect. So that's it. We're going to wrap up now because we've finished the show. But thank you awesome. so much for spending the last 35 minutes or so with us today on the podcast. It was an absolute pleasure to finally speak to you. I know. Yeah, I wish you all the best on your new Thanks. adventures with um empowering women they need your help and you too it was so great to be here thank you for having me and so great to finally meet you you're welcome take care lisa we'll catch up soon bye, bye. so there you go another episode of the hungry soul podcast now if this conversation has got you intrigued about your own journey on becoming a soul-fed woman and you're not really sure of what to do where to begin or where even to start i've got some presents for you if you head over to soulfedwoman.com forward slash free dash resources, you will find a multitude of presents that I've created for you, including workshops, training series, and meditations. There's also a few little extras along the way too. So have a beautiful week, take care of yourself, and I look forward to our next episode together on the Hungry Soul podcast. See you later.